Nobody beats you in the last 500 meters. Oh, that's good. Nobody. <laughs> Brutal. Only if you say it that way, then it's awful. Yeah, yeah. With a little growl, nobody beats you in the last 500 meters. <laughs> Hey team, it's Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water's always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to savor real-life experience from launch to cox seat at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode, where we squeezed ourselves into the coxswain seat to talk with Corinne Wiggins, the voice behind the Black Coxswain Instagram account. We invited two of Corinne's coxing influences to join us. New York Athletic Club coxswain Coral Kasdan, the first female coxswain of a U.S. men's senior team and an international regatta, and Dustin Mara, whose coxing recordings have become a must-watch on YouTube for young coxswains. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a brief review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. We are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. Today we're talking with Sarah Furman, the CEO of You Can Row 2. You Can Row 2's mission is to help people of all ages, sizes, and abilities transform their bodies and their lives and create healthier minds and bodies through the rhythm and synchronicity of rowing and other flywheel sports like ski erging and bike erging. You Can Row 2 is affiliated with Concept 2 and hosts certified indoor rowing instructor certification courses throughout the year. In 2021, Steady State Network is partnering with You Can Row 2 to provide changemaker scholarships to their indoor rowing instructor training. Our next guest was a recipient of the award and just completed the training in April. Welcome to new You Can Row 2 instructor and longtime rower, Lisa Wise. If you've been listening to Steady State Podcast for a while, you might remember that we interviewed Lisa and her husband, Matt, in 2020 to talk with them about Rower's Dream, their small business that offers training plans and coaching. Lisa just attended a You Can Row 2 instructor certification course, so we want to hear what she thought about it. Welcome, Sarah and Lisa. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us. So... Our first question we have for you is, what's going on in your rowing week? Uh, well, I'll go first, I guess. Mine is crazy, crazy busy. We've got so many things going on. We, we, we're sort of, we have our, our thumbs in a lot of pies, and right now they seem to all be happening. None of them have anything to do with the water. It's all about the growth of, of rowing as its own thing, as indoor rowing and its own sport. So um, super busy with that. How's it with you, Lisa? 
I've had a great week. It started with the training, of course. So my head has been spinning around with all the information I got out at the fun training. And I got to row then Saturday and Sunday indoors. I was able to get outdoors another day. And today I was back indoors because I was making a video. So I've had lots of indoor and outdoor rowing. I've had a good, good rowing week completely in a single right now. I, um, I haven't rowed in a boat with more than one person in quite a while. So one of the things we like to ask people is, uh, how did you get into rowing? Like, how did this all get started? So Lisa, let's start with you. What's your rowing origin story? So I started in college. I picked up a flyer, walked into class, and decided to go to a meeting, tried it out, immediately loved it, like right away. It was a love at first sight situation and also formed lifelong friendships there. So I think that happens to a lot of people. You join the mm -hmm. rowing team, you face these challenges together. It's, I think the challenge is one of the biggest things I like about it. Um, but then you just get so connected to the people that you stick with it. Yeah. And you've never stopped. You started when you were 18, 19 years old and you've been rowing straight through. All never stopped. Never stopped. I actually did row once at, when I was an exchange student in France. That was the very, very first time I rowed. So that planted the seed in the back of my head. And I didn't really learn how to row till I was in college. And then I just haven't been able to kick the habit. <laughs> it's folks like you that we really love chatting with to, you know, who have all this experience and have worked their way through um, so many experiences and opportunities and rowing and racing and now getting into a little bit of coaching as well. Yes, coaching is a very new adventure for me. It's interesting because yeah. I hear the voices of coaches just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarah, what about you? What's your rowing origin? My origin story is totally different, but I would say it is actually much more like, um, it, definitely much more like the average bear in the indoor rowing world. Um, I actually came into rowing through the erg, not on the water. I do row on the water, but that came later. I, um, my story starts with me moving up here to the middle of nowhere, Michigan, um, across Lake Superior from Canada um, 13 years ago, I think and joining a gym um, where rowing was a really big focus and getting pulled into a challenge, a Concept2 challenge that was happening, the World Erg Challenge specifically. Um, and one thing led to another. I, I got into the synchronicity of the erg and the community on the erg. So indoor rowing in general, I would say, um, this is going to sound very foreign to on-water rowers, but to indoor rowers, the erg is, and maybe not so much to CrossFitters either, but it's less about the suffering aspect and more about the community and connection aspect of the rowing machine. I feel like the rowing machine makes both of those things possible. And it's, and that's a really cool feature of it. Um, anyway, so I got pulled into this challenge. I loved it. I ended up starting to take a rowing class and, um, lost a bunch of weight, had a total body transformation, found something I really loved and it was, I knew that I could stick with. And one thing led to another, the, the woman who ran that gym ended up becoming my business partner. Um, and that started the whole trajectory that has been You Can Row 2 for the last 12 years. 
Well, that's so interesting because I'm not sure I've really spoken with anyone who got involved uh, specifically as an indoor rower as like an honest to goodness activity. I've heard about people, Mm -hmm. they use the rower a little bit at the gym, they flirted with it here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, But to get involved, especially like right off the bat with a concept to (laughs) challenge, I think that's that's a rare uh, origin story. Uh, well, I, it, pro- it may be, but I will say that I it, that's less and less the case these days, I think. Um, the Especially looking at what's happened over the course of the pandemic, and I know we're going to talk about how indoor rowing has grown over the last, particularly over the last year, um, but it's been really interesting to see the community that has developed around it and the challenges that Concept2 runs are just crazy, crazy popular. And now we're even seeing, um, just today, I saw something in a group about, well, what's our next challenge? Concept 2 isn't running one. What can we do? Let's come together and make our own. So that whole idea of doing something together, which is, is, you know, I totally get that the same thing happens at the boathouse. Um, This is just a little bit more easy for people. And since everybody's in a lot of places still stuck at home and not able to get back in the gym or whatever, having a way to come together virtually, it has just been amazing. Yeah, you're right. And we will talk about that a whole lot more. I agree with you. I've come across um, several new Facebook groups, specifically all about indoor rowing. Mm -hmm. And people are talking about challenges. And maybe for some of the newbies, the concept two challenges are too challenging. So they're looking for the admins of of the group to offer different types of challenges. Um, Yeah, people people want that motivation. And they want the um, they want the community to work with. I'm wondering, Sarah, what happened when you found out that ergs don't float and you took your (laughs) skills onto the water? I mean, that's a famous phrase. It's not a great phrase. It's kind of a turnoff to Mm -hmm. say ergs don't float. You know, it's like uh, recovery on water in Chicago, Kim Reynolds, she differentiates between a rower and an oarsman. Mm-hmm. And a rower is someone who uses the indoor rower, whether they go on the water or not. And an oarsman is someone who um, actually uses it. What did you find out when you took the skills that you maybe thought might apply or they didn't apply? Or like, <laughs> how did that play out? Well, I mean, let's be honest, sculling is a whole lot harder than erging. When you've got two, two things in your hand that move independently, and you're in a thing that's tippy, that is completely different from rowing on the earth. I mean, the basics, of course, rowing is rowing, right? The stroke is the stroke, but what you, all the pieces that are involved to, you know, keep the boat moving are, it's, I mean, to me, they're two different things, honestly. Very much like, I don't think that indoor cycling and outdoor cycling are the same thing either, really same idea. You got to, you know, if you're biking outdoors, you got to watch out for what's in the road in front of you. You got to pay attention to your balance. You got to be aware of what's around you. Um, you know, there's so much more stimulus coming in and I like them. I like them both equally actually. And I'm lucky because I was taught to urge by somebody who also loved them both equally, Terry Smythe, who some people in the rowing world will know Lisa and I know each other because of Terry. Um, Terry sadly passed away three years ago, two and a half years ago from a very rare form of melanoma. And hopefully Lisa and I will get to talk about a little thing we've got happening in May related to that. Um, But uh, so I came to, I didn't come to rowing, on water rowing with the sense that many people do, which is that on water rowing is better, Mm. right? I came to it as it's different and it's, you know, it's, it's really great also, but to me, 
and I love being on the water. Don't get me wrong, but living where I live, our season is really short and good water is rare when there is water, when it's not ice, you know? And so to me, the value of the erg is it's always ready. You know, I always say rowing meets you where you are and takes you as far as you want to go. And I also feel like, you know, having that machine that's just ready for you to get on it whenever you need it is amazing because otherwise for me, it's like, get up, get down to the water, get the boat out, get the oars out, get everything down there. Make sure it's not blowing so hard any, at that point that you can't go out anymore. You know, go out, do your thing, come back in, hope you don't flip into this ice cold freezing water with nobody around potentially, you know, get everything out, carry it back up the hill. Hope you get back up the hill before it either starts to snow or there's a thunderstorm. I mean, seriously. So you're not wrong. You know, there's, there's a lot that happens. Did Terry teach you how to erg and how to row on the water? Did she teach yeah. you both? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yep. And then we got to row in a double together a few times and actually um, run her double over some rocks, but it was not my fault. <laughs> thank God. Was she bowing? I assume. So I was bowing, but she told me not, she told me not to pay attention to it, that she would take care of everything. So ah, she's a single sculler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I rode with single scullers in a double and they steered around me. They're like looking, yeah. you know, um, so I, I, I'm really curious to know more about that because one of the clubs that we're going to interview coming up talking about that short season is mm -hmm. the uh, Anchorage rowing club, which has a very oh, wow. short season. Um, so much that even they have uh, only a limited amount of time that a, a motorized launch boat can be on the water with them. So they mm -hmm. have within a day, they have, you know, any given day, they have a very small window. And I'm wondering what, well, I think one of the questions we will ask them is how does indoor rowing uh, play a factor in Anchorage uh, at their rowing club? Because mm -hmm. it feels like that's a great way for them to build community if they're not already doing that. Um, so Lisa, tell me how you and, um, Sarah met. We, we met through Terry. Actually, I, I met Terry through rowing. I, I can like, I feel like I knew her forever and I don't know why I, I can't think of the actual moment that I met her. She was just always there. And if you Probably. met Terry, you did not forget. Let's just say mm -hmm. she's one of these people that just was like so engaging and so excited and just like whatever she was doing you were going to do it too and you were going to be awesome at it it was going to be awesome it was going to be like and you were going to love thing. it yes yes whether you actually did or not didn't matter you were going to love it yes <laughs> so i think i met sarah officially when i came up to the up to visit terry slash go to a class for teachers all What's right and then we, yeah <laughs> The Upper Peninsula? The Upper Peninsula, yeah, okay. of Michigan. Let's, let's, okay, so I know this much, that Michigan is a mitten. Okay. Okay. It's actually two mittens. And for those of you who are listening, Lisa and I are doing the exact same thing with our hands. The left hand is the UP, the right hand is the lower mitten or lower Michigan. And, and Sarah lives up in the tippy tippy top of that. I UP. live in my thumb joint, like way the up there. My, like surrounded by Lake Superior. Yeah, so way up. Like it's a solid ten hour drive for me to get there. Yeah, yeah. We we might do a a screenshot of that. So over the years, I would visit the UP for various reasons, sometimes Terry, sometimes a class. My kids would go to Michigan Tech for stuff, and I'd always pop in and see Terry and Sarah. So when she got the scholarship, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Yes. 
that was a nice little surprise. I did not know there was a connection there. Um, so that's really wonderful that that worked out and that we can bring both of you on today to talk to us. And, you know, it makes it a whole lot easier. You know each other, we're chit-chatty, it's all excellent. <laughs> so um, we're, I'm really curious, um, Sarah, about when you got involved with You Can Row 2 and- I have a background mostly in PR, journalism, and communications. So there was a moment, um, which I, I don't know if Lisa knows this story, but um, there was a moment when Terry's gym was closing, the gym she was running was closing, and um, it was clear that something was going to have to shift. And at the same time, even back then, so this is um, 2011 or so, things are starting to pick up. Um, 2010, 2011, things are sort of starting to pick up in indoor rowing, not like they are right now, but they were starting to pick up. And, you know, to Lisa's point about Terry being this magnetic personality, I one day looked at her and I said, you can be a lot bigger than Houghton, Michigan, which is where we live, and I can help you do it. And um, so then, you know, the universe just kind of put the opportunity to start to grow indoor rowing instructor certification in our lap. And we ran with it. Um, and so for me, I had always had an interest in fitness in general and um, always kind of thought about, well, I don't know. I was always looking for something I could do with it, but I didn't just want to be a, uh, you know, like an instructor or personal trainer or something like that. I always wanted to do something a little bit different. So I don't know, you know, the, the planets aligned and, and, you know, here we are. And, you know, unfortunately, Terry's not here to be with this success, but I feel like she's still on my shoulder, you know, she whispers in my ear every day, do that, don't do that. And, you know, she's still a really persuasive voice, even though she's not physically around anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I, she's incredibly unforgettable person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I feel like the community's done a really nice job of kind of keeping her spirit alive. You know, I've never met, I never met her, but certainly know uh, about her and people talk about her so highly and they have all these years mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so you touched on this but when when you joined you can row too you mm -hmm. said it was very small it was very local what what did the business look like at that time when i came on it was you can it, you can row two existed as sort of a, a side hustle for terry she was doing some of the instructor she was a master instructor for concept two she was one of the first ones and <clears throat> she was doing a lot of work with special what we call special populations so that's like schools um um, we do a lot with still with Special Olympics and um, adaptive um, audiences like that. She was going around to different places in the country and doing some of those trainings to certify those instructors for Concept 2. And then separately, it was, um, I mean, there was the gym, but that wasn't really part of You Can Row 2. It was really primarily just this small side hustle. Then we eventually took on all of the group exercise related um, certification for Concept 2 that was being done in person. Um, of course, in the last year that has gone away. We we're now on our, Lisa's training, I just noticed this today was our 13th month virtual training and, you know, making lemonade out of lemons, to be honest. You know, we got, we got everything yanked away, obviously, in 2020. And we decided, all right, now's our time to take this thing online. We've been kind of thinking about it and kind of resisting it, honestly, because we are all about very much that hands-on approach and getting getting coached by somebody who can look at you and uh, hopefully even touch you maybe and help you learn to row correctly and do all the things. 
but that got taken away. And, you know, honestly, it's worked out great. We now are working with people from all over the world. We had four countries represented in the training that Lisa was in. Um, and I have to say, one of our master instructors made a really great point when we were talking about it kind of in the beginning. And what he said was, I thought was brilliant. He's like, well, you know, it's not that different than it is from coaching from a boat. You can't touch people from the boat either. You, you have to like really dial in your language and be very clear about what you're saying and give really good cues. And I was like, oh, that's so smart. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's how we've managed to maintain and grow. And, and we've also, you know, added online classes for home users and stuff like that for this massive audience of home users that's out there. Um, always it, for us, it's always all about getting trained by experts because all of our master instructors have 20, 30, 40 years of experience. So these are really, really seasoned, um, seasoned people that we get to have, that people get to learn from. It totally makes sense. I love that analogy. Um, I know that as a coach, uh, you know, uh, with uh, both Seize the Oar and as just as a rowing coach here on Vashon Island, um, you know, I get videos here, here and there. People will send me a mm -hmm. video. Like the other day, I just got one. She's like, how does this look? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to coach you as if, you know, uh, I'm going to use the right language. I'm going to uh, say, do descriptive language and say, here's, you know, do you want me to send you a video of an example or share one? Or, you know, here's what I see uh, you doing. And I'm doing this motion. You can't see it, but it, from our listeners, I'm doing this motion, which is, which is booty out, you know, athletic stance, like do your athletic stance, <laughs> like your butt, you know? Um, and she's like, okay, I got that. But this was also an athlete who had uh, hip replacement last year. And so there was all these factors, you know, kind of going into it. So I really appreciate any coach who can look at their athletes and pick different kinds of language, five different ways of saying the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. and it's really nice to hear that there's instructors coming into that particular program. When you join the Steady State Patreon community as a subscriber, you're supporting the new narrative in rowing and a couple of your fellow entrepreneurs making it happen. Patrons get bonus content, swag, and early access. Join today, www.steadystatenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. And we're back with our guests, Sarah Furman and Lisa Wise. We're going to segue into this now about COVID-19 and this explosion of indoor rowing. You know, we mm -hmm. were hearing, you know, we interviewed Judy Gear on mm -hmm. the episode with the women in women, women's voices in rowing from Daniela Nakaslova, uh, the book. And Judy was saying, you know, we were closed for six weeks and it took <laughs> in at the time that we interviewed her at the end of last year, they were still playing catch up. Yeah, and you're hearing about people being on the the uh, the wait list, and Ra Rachel was on the wait list, and six she... weeks. So we know that the demand has maintained a very high at a high level. Um, you periodically see people sneak in with, well, what about a you know coffee simulator or a water rower or this knockoff from Amazon and. It's incredible. Everyone is like, absolutely not. Do not even, you know, and it's nothing against those machines. It's just, mm -hmm. 
you'll find more, I feel like, and please disagree if you, if you need to, but I find that you'll, you'll get more support. There's more documented coaching information. There's more of a community around that concept to machine, which is mm -hmm. kudos to them. I mm -hmm. mean, really kudos for creating a great product. I Why mean, am I here? Because of a concept to challenge. I mean, that really is at its core, that is why I'm here because I got pulled into a challenge. And I just got, by the way, on this year's World Org Challenge, so this is what my 10th or 11th or whatever, um, I don't do the crazy stuff I used to do where I rode a million meters in a month or Terry and I did a 24 hour row and we did a hundred thousand meters in a day. Some of that crazy stuff. I don't do that anymore because I've come to my senses, <laughs> but, um, I did notice that cause I have a, I now have a biker as well at home. I did notice that I was very close to 5 million meters on the biker. So I decided to, and what happens at 5 million meters when you're in a concept two, when you're in the concept two world you get a long sleeve t-shirt. Well, Ooh. let me tell you, and you can't buy that baby. You got to earn it. So let me tell you, I set a goal during the world Dog challenge of hitting those 5 million meters. And it got me on that thing way more than I would have otherwise. And that, that is the beauty of it. Um, I will also say to your point about the industry growing, um, huge fan of concept too, obviously I, it is the gold standard for a reason. Um, the other thing that I tell people who ask me, well, should I get a concept two? I tell them, listen, I can, what I can tell you about a concept two is like you said, Tara, it'll, the customer sort is customer support is unparalleled. I also tell them it, I guarantee you it will hold its value. So if you decide tomorrow that you don't want your concept two anymore, you can sell it tomorrow for what you paid for it. I mean, at I least. don't know of any other machine, at least, yeah, I don't know of any other machine that holds its value that way. So huge fan. Um, but I think what's also really interesting, and I said this over the weekend um, to all of our, uh, to the people in our certification, what's coming in the sport is, um, you know, is just the massive growth of it, not just concept two, but you know, hydro's growing. And then there's all these other ones and the big kahuna that's coming down the line. And that is Peloton is rumored to be coming out with its, with its machine. And that's enormous, whether you're in the Peloton world or you're not just the fact that it's so big and it has the ability to create so much visibility around something that's great for everybody. Um, and so uh, this is why I say you need to come and learn how to teach rowing properly, because you guys know, as coaches, there are good coaches and there are bad coaches. And there are also a whole lot of cowboys in the fitness world, particularly who are out there and like, oh, they rode a couple of times or, you know, they rode in college and they figure that's enough to be able to coach people on either on the rowing machine or on the water. And I think as, you know, you guys as steady state and seize the oars certainly know that what you do personally is nice and it's, yeah, it's important, but it doesn't have much to do with being a good coach, you know? And I, and I worry about people who come into this blindly and, you know, they get a rowing machine from a concept tour or whatever they get. And they go, well, let me just, here's this, this guy who's got videos on YouTube or this gal or whatever, you know, let me just go watch those videos. And I just worry about that because they're being, they don't know, right. They don't know the difference and they don't know to ask, you know, what's your background? What do you really know about this? How qualified are you really to teach this? You know, and while rowing is, total body, non-impact fitness in general, it's an ex incredibly safe activity, which gives it a tremendous amount of longevity, I think going forward. It is also a repetitive motion. So if you do it incorrectly, 
you can develop a lot of problems over time. So learning how to do it and learning how to do it right out of the gate before you, you know, cement a ton of bad habits is also going to put you way ahead of the game. Yeah. It sounds like this evangelism, you know, if you will, for Mm -hmm. good, for finding a coach, you know, one of the things Mm -hmm. that Rachel and I talked about earlier today was on these concept two forums and on these, uh, you know, Reddit and everything, there's yeah. every single day, there's between one and a hundred of, I just got my concept two in the mail today. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. what? Right. And everybody, I would tell you, if we did a, a informal survey of what's happening, it's Pete's beginner plan yep. and dark horse. Yep. And you can row two. And for some reason, live to row has really, like risen up the one in Florida that Rachel is familiar with um, live to row has come up in the ranks, but dark horse and puts a lot of energy into their social media and their marketing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he is what he is. And I think we've all had the experience of seeing the person at the YMCA gym on the concept too, and (laughs) wanted to do an outreach, you know, intervention, intervention. Yeah. 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 Intervention. Um, I wanted to hear, I, mean, I think there's so much here and there's so many good things about concept two and they are a decent company. They're mm-hmm. a sustainable company. They've just got a lot of pluses. They've played this game very well since the beginning. I love the Dreisigacker brothers. I just love. Mm-hmm. They're uh, so Jay- wonderful. Everybody's so great. Um, and that I want to talk about that moment when you first got on an erg and someone is strapping your feet in for you and telling you to put your thumbs under and not on top. I teach learn to row. <laughs> I teach learn to row for adults. So I'm like, you know. Yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> I want to hear about either your first, we want to hear either about your first times on the erg and like, because I know in Lisa's case, I don't think that erging was as prevalent at the collegiate level, maybe when you were uh, in school as it is now. It's used as a testing tool uh, a lot now and a conditioning tool. Um, but a lot of rowers that I've talked to who went to s- college in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s uh, and rowed, no, erging was not a thing like it is now. So Lisa, do you remember like when the erg came into your life and like that moment when you sat down and had you rowed on the water before you got on an erg or was it the other way around? Do you remember? I think it was right at the same time. I think it was just one of the ways they taught us how to row. So I rowed 90 to 94. And at that time there was a model B and the distance, the testing distance was 2,500 meters. So I was, (laughs) that's how they did it. That's how they did it in the nineties. Oh, give me the four minute test any day. Yeah. So I do remember I do remember my first 2,500 meter piece very well. Yes. And it was, I think the rowing team had, you know, 40 people, but we had like, I don't know, five ergs. So they were all set up in a gym and we all were just taking turns on this thing, posting times. Mm. Oh, that's brutal. It was brutal. brutal. It was really. (laughs) But see, this is why on water rowers hate the erg. Right, right, right. Because it's because you you live and die by it. Because you're yeah. you're, you're told to get on and kill yourself, and yeah. or you know maybe you're you're it's a seat race thing, and you know your position in the boat depends on it. Yeah. Whereas 
the way I came into it and, and the way I look at it is no, this is about let's, let's get fitter. Let's make progress. Let's meet ourselves where we are and move forward as a community and row as one, right? Let's get that yeah. synchronicity happening and all that stuff. It's a completely different approach. It does. I had to like retrain my brain a little post, post oh, college, you know, I, um, but I didn't have, I had success on the ERG too though. So like, it wasn't a drama machine for me because I, I'm kind of good at it. Yeah. To see photos of our guests, along with links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Did you know that Steady State is more than a podcast? We've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Because we miss practices and we really miss post-practice coffee with teammates, you're invited to join us for a 30-minute coffee chat every Friday 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and join the conversation. And join us for Steady State Sundays every weekend on Zoom Ergos. During these 60-minute Steady State Erg workouts, we chat and provide cues to keep you motivated. Arrive warmed up, stay as long as you want, and stick around after to talk. We're also excited to be a media partner for the one-of-a-kind Para Rowing Global Meetup series hosted by Seize the Oar Foundation. These free sessions are open to all Para Rowing coaches, athletes, admins, and fans to talk, connect, and strategize for Para Rowing success in 2021 and beyond. To find out about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit steadystatenetwork.com events. And we're back with our guests, Sarah Furman and Lisa Wise. I'm, I'm wondering, like, Sarah, when you get longtime water rowers mm-hmm. coming in wanting to be erg coaches, mm-hmm. do you say all of that to them and say, here is how it's special, here is how it's a different, like, Lisa, did you get that spiel um, and how to translate maybe and say, it's not a either or this is its own thing it's not do the erg and then go on the water and that's mm-hmm. a progression a natural progression or the other way around but it's really like here's the community here's where you can go with this and i'm just wondering like where did you how do you translate that me- or get that message into the these diehard rower coaches because i think there's a lot of coaches out there who are unemployed right now yep. who have mm-hmm. that coaching itch to scratch um, mm-hmm. And this is a great way for them to do it. You know, they're ending up in Row House, which is those rowing studios, yep. or uh, Live to Row, um, and they're kind of getting their that itch scratched by coaching indoor or doing virtual training, like Lisa and Matt had started. So, how mm-hmm. how can we further the indoor rowing community that you're talking about and telling our rowing listeners this is this is actually its own legitimate thing. And here's some of the great things about it. Like, how do you do that? Well, I think that, uh, you know, if you're asking me, I think it is, um, you know, I think they, I think rowing coaches need to be honest with themselves on water coaches and need to be honest with themselves and say, you know, are you willing to consider that indoor rowing is its own thing and that you may be training people on the ERG who will never get on the water and who will never agree with you that water is better. 
And are you okay with that? I will tell you a story, actually. You've reminded me of this one. So we did a training um, at Ole Miss years ago. And um, we had a master instructor who made a lot of on-water references throughout the training day. And um, this is somebody who's very passionate about on-water rowing, as really are all of our master instructors for the most part. But it just, it was like constant, you know, you know, uh, references to the water and sort of a, a tone throughout the day that, that water is where you really want to be. Let's put it that way. We got from one of the people in the training, this was a, not a, um, a fitness person. This was a, a gym rower who had worked out with a personal trainer. We get, we get sort of regular people coming to our trainings too, who want to learn to row better. Cause it's also a great place to do that. Um, anyway, she, on her evaluation, absolutely ripped us apart for that. Mm. She said it was a great training, but I hated how much she talked about being on the water and how much being on the water is better. She said, I am going to tell my, my personal trainer not to take your training and I don't want anything to do with you ever again. Well, I mean, literally that's what she said. And you know what, that has stayed with me the entire time. And I think it's, it's, it's a cautionary tale for on-water coaches and on-water rowers. Um, you know, I also think, and Tara, you and I have talked about this a little bit. I really believe that the road to diversity in rowing in general runs through the ERG. And I think if we are going to have diversity in rowing, then we have to be willing to consider that maybe indoor rowing is its own thing and that has to be fine. The goal cannot always be to get people on the water. Because right. frankly, not everybody has that luxury. First of all, not everybody has access to water, period. Not every city has water. But also, it's an incredible amount of time and money and um, just wherewithal for many people to even ever get there. So what if we decided that indoor rowing is actually also the ERG and that you can have an entire rowing career that is indoors, you know? And so what, what we say to on-water coaches is, First of all, you have to be willing to believe that, that people who, that people can just erg and that's fine and that's still rowing. And then the second thing is they have to lower their bar because what where on water coaches get into trouble with indoor rowers is they're so particular about technique that they can't set it aside and make it fun. And the thing about group exercise is that it must be fun. So we say that group, group workouts in, in rowing need to be efficient, effective, safe, and fun. They need to be all of those things. You need to be able to get it done in a certain amount of time so that you walk away from it and you're like, wow, that was a great workout. I had a great time. I got my money's worth. They need to be fun so people will come back because in fitness, that's what you need. You need people to continue to come back, right? And do the thing and you got to keep them safe. That really is the number one. What I was going to riff off of what Sarah was just saying was, I'm working with the Green Lake crew here, which is a Seattle Parks Department program. And when we talk about bringing diversifying youth in rowing, we have to understand that not only is access to water uh, a privilege and it's a matter of geography, you know, here in the Northwest, we have scads of water, but um, comfort levels around water. Not everybody likes to be on water and that indoor rowing um, I've been talking to Green Lake and saying, we need to, what about those kids who want to get into rowing, but are afraid of the water, can't swim, have no interest, uh, but still want to be competitive and be part of this community. So I've been really encouraging them to create a juniors indoor rowing team 
And that's yeah. where we can then bring in junior adaptive rowers to be on the same team. I love We're it. All in the same boathouse. And same thing goes for masters, honestly. Um, I think that um, here in the Northwest, it's very poo-pooed to do indoor rowing when the, when it's nice weather outside, which I would argue, just pull your erg outside. But, <laughs> you know, there's a big opportunity, if you look at it that way, there's a big opportunity between November and May here to just kick it. So one of the things that like yeah. Seize the Or does is we do a global erg marathon and we have people put together teams and we do this fundraising event in September every year. And it's fun because it's all over the world. Like you said, you know, these concept two challenges are so popular. Um, but I really think that there's a future for really diversifying the sport by creating an indoor rowing team culture or, and not just row studios, but like at a boathouse, there's 50 ergs lined up and there's 50 kids of all shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities or 50 masters. And they're doing a challenge together. And that's the erg group. And I'm hoping so, that the culture can change enough that that's not seen as lesser, you know, but that's actually a doorway into the rowing world, not meaning doorway to water, doorway to get to water, right. next, but just right. that's it by itself. I'm hoping that can work. But I think the other, the other thing that's going to have to happen for that to work, though, if you're going to get so one of the things that we've talked about houses quite a bit about over the years is the fact that this is a revenue stream. So just hello, mm -hmm. wake up, what boathouse doesn't need money, you know? However, because of the row houses and the, you know, all the, the gyms that have, um, that have ergs now, the beat up boathouse erg isn't going to cut it. People are not going to pay to row on a rusty erg that, you know, where the, the, chain guard is completely eaten up and the, there's no handle hook anymore and it just you know and the the monorail's a mess because it's never been cleaned and the, like the you know the steel's pitted now like that's not going to fly because people know to expect better people who are paying you know so it kind of goes to my point about just um boat houses need to respect the erg a little bit more you know i'm sorry if this hurts but i'm going to be honest and, you know, as I said, coaches need to lower their bar and stop worrying about getting every single thing in the rowing stroke perfect because synchronicity absolutely is wonderful on the rowing machine, but you don't have to be as precise about it, right? Everybody's still on their own machine. Nobody's going swimming if anything bad happens. Nobody's catching a crab and, you know, all that sort of thing. So you do have to back off and let it be fun because that's important too. Yeah, I think, I think that's a perfect segue because... You know, so Tara and I, a couple of months ago, took advantage, started taking advantage of Zoom Ergos, this new platform that was set up in the UK. And then mm -hmm. Tara and I were like, well, we're ballsy. Let's just offer a <laughs> class, you know? And we went all out and said, we're going to offer a 60 minute steady state, which lots of people are going to say we're crazy for doing that. Why do you want to do a 60 minute steady state? You don't need to break it up, whatever. We can have a different debate about that. But what I think is interesting that you're talking about is not everyone's there mm -hmm. for technical workout. We right. want to make sure that everyone has some cues and things that they're thinking about, and we want to make it fun. 
Sarah and I are, have to keep massaging that a little bit. It's 60 minutes of fun while we're also working out. So, um, <laughs> you know. Um, it's a particular kind of fun. It's a particular kind of fun, exactly. So anyway, so we've been, you know, leading these sessions. Lisa started leading Zoom Ergo sessions a couple of months ago mm -hmm. out of her basement, um, as well as our friend Patricia Carswell over in the UK. She jumped on yep. the bandwagon and I know she just got certified another, from, yes, she did. from You Can Row 2. Say. Yeah, Sarah, we've already we've already touched on this a, a fair amount, but who do you think should think about getting certified as an indoor trainer and why? Okay, so um, it's interesting because we ask people who take our training why they decide to take it, and the reasons are they're so clear and so consistent, and um, they're also why I would say. Well, there's two reasons that they say, and then I've got some other ones to add on. So what we hear all the time is that they want to get certified so that they can be more confident and be more credible. Then that is in the space of, as we've been talking about the growth of indoor rowing, I think it is essential that people who are qualified to actually train people to row on the rowing machine have that good housekeeping seal of approval, which in our case comes from concept two to show other people that they know what they're doing, right? So a certification with us is a concept two, you can row to certification. So there are people who are teaching on other machines who are using our certification as um, that credibility to demonstrate that they know how to teach other people how to row. The, the deal is that everything is moving so fast. Everything is growing so quickly that I think it's really critical that um, that coaches know um, exactly what they're doing on the rowing machine, that they understand the rowing machine and the market of the, of the everyday athlete, which is who we work with primarily. And then the other thing is um, the fitness industry is growing too. And there's also been so much shifting going on in the pandemic. So many gyms have closed. There, have been a, there are a lot of trainers who are out there looking for work. There are a lot of people who have said over the course of the pandemic, wow, I really got a health wake up call. I've decided I'm gonna drop my nine to five and I'm gonna get into fitness or whatever it is. So again, you've got a lot of competition for jobs. This is a way for people to stand out and get hired in this super competitive market. So, um, you know, it's really those things. I think anybody who wants to work with people in rowing, and I don't mean um, just like personal trainers, for example, they don't just teach rowing typically. They're not like group exercise instructors who might specialize in that. More often they are doing lots of things. They have lots of tools in their toolbox, but you know, you, I hope would not um, start teaching somebody how to do Olympic lifting without getting some kind of proper training in that. Well, you shouldn't do the same thing with rowing. You shouldn't just go, I'm gonna go watch some videos and I'm ready to coach people on how to row. No, you're not. You know, you gotta learn what the errors are, what the corrections are, how to keep people safe primarily. That's the number one thing. And, and like Lisa said, that came out over the course of the weekend. And then, you know, also how to make it fun. And that those are things that we focus on. You know, how do you create varied workouts that people will be able to benefit from? One of the things we talked about over the weekend too is how do you actually help people make progress? Because it's one thing to just create random workouts. You know, honestly, anybody can create random workouts. We put them out all the time. And we, heck, we have a book called 101 Best Rowing Workouts. You do that thing, do every workout three times and you've got a year's worth of workouts. That's not the deal. The deal is how do you create something progressive that will actually move people from here to there? And that's the kind of thing that you learn 
um, when you really take the time to dive in, to take two half days plus study time to actually learn how to do it. And the one other thing I will add to that, because I just heard this the other day, we are now down to people being willing to tolerate about two minutes of video on YouTube or you know Facebook Live or whatever. Like the amount of time people wanna watch anymore is down to next to nothing. Can you get to be an expert in anything in two minute bites? I'm gonna tell you no. Not when it's people's health and safety that we're talking about. You know, that's fine for knitting, I'm sure. It's fine for, I don't know, you know, ceramics or whatever, but but to actually keep someone safe doing a physical activity, particularly if they're a little bit older, perhaps, and they have some, as Terry used to say, they've lived the life, you know, so they're coming into it with bad knees, bad hips, the hip replacement, whatever it is. You know. It's really, really important to know how to do this well, both so that you can be successful at it and so that you can get paid and so that you can have the impact you wanna have. Yeah. Long-winded so, answer again, sorry about no, that. No, it was an excellent answer. Um, so earlier in in our chat, you mentioned on a project together. Lisa, can you tell us a bit oh. about that? Um, I can, we are gonna do so a- for this. It is really fun, actually. I. Well, I have something else to say in a minute too, but the what we're what I'm helping Sarah create is a bingo card for meters for melanoma, which is something that started. Um, well, Sarah would be able to talk more about how meters for melanoma started, but I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. <laughs> really, yeah. So, uh, so meters for melanoma started. Um, it's it my it first started. Uh, so Terry died of a very rare cancer called mucosal melanoma. And um, when she was first diagnosed, she went off to Boston and had a very bad surgery. Um, and while she was recovering, that world drug challenge came up and I said, I'm gonna row a million meters for her while, this is, while she's recovering from this surgery and we're sort of getting our arms around all of this. And um, so I used that as like a small fundraiser. And then the next year we took it big. She was being treated at um, the Mayo Clinic by then. And um, there's an organization that Mayo is involved with called the Midwest Melanoma Partnership that's all about research in melanoma. And we took it and made it a huge event um, that has raised tons of money over the years since for melanoma research of all types. And I should point out that to anybody who rows on the water, you know, cutaneous melanoma is a very serious problem for on-water rowers who are so exposed to the sun all the time. There's never any shade at a regatta, you know, um, thanks to some of the work that we've been doing actually and some partnering we've done with US Rowing, there's now sunscreen available at a lot of regattas, at most regattas, which is great, but it's still a really big issue. So um, last year there was no meters for melanoma because the pandemic happened and nobody was giving money to anything. But now um, Lisa had so much success with her bingo card. Did it for mud season because it was perfect. There was 25 workouts and it fit on a five by five card so nicely. That's right. So for this time, what we're going to do for Meters for Melanoma, we're not going to worry about making it an enormous fundraiser. We just want to keep keep people moving, hopefully get them having a little bit of fun on the ERG. And so this one is going to be, it'll, we'll, we'll be making it available soon. But, you know, for a small donation, people are going to be able to get this card, get in a variety of workouts. It's also going to include some on-water stuff for people who have access to that, but also some other like it's May, let's get outside, let's go for a walk, let's do a bike ride, we're gonna do some other things that Terry loved. Um, yeah. We're also we including Ter Terry's favorite oh. workout in there, ERG workout. 
Yeah, um, and we tried to make sure that depending on uh, people's ability levels and just um, whatever bandwidth they have for working out, they could choose a row or a diagonal and they could either row a lot, like as much as a marathon, or they could maybe go on a different mm -hmm. spot um, and do a more gentle, gentle workout. Yeah, because we really want people who are, um, you know, the herb was so important to her and has been so important to many people recovering from cancer, like think about recovery on water, um, cancer of all types. It's an amazing, it's amazing for that too. And um, so we wanted to make sure that there were, there were shorter rows that, you know, anybody could do. Just get on the machine for a few minutes, you know. And it's just really, it... that came out in the training this weekend. There was a couple of times you were talking and you were talking about the, the accessibility and the variability of the, of the ERG, of the rowing machine. Mm -hmm. it, it can mm -hmm. do any type of workout from super mm -hmm. light and relaxed to as hard as it could possibly be. Like you can make you can make the erg as challenging or as easy and gentle as you want. It has, and then it has everything in between. And mm -hmm. I I think that's what's exciting about teaching people how to erg is that it does allow so much variation, and it it really allows you to teach anybody how to row without some of the complicating factors that being on the water has not just accessibility of being on the water, but all of the other skills that go into being on the water. You know, obviously I love being on the water, but I do see the value in teaching people how to row indoors. The nice thing about the Ergus, it's right there, but it's also, you can get off it right there too. And you can be done as soon as you need to be done, which is important. Yeah. All right. So you've got this uh, bingo card coming out in May. So we should be watching mm -hmm. that you can row two socials for that. And I'm assuming also yep. rowers dream socials for that. Yep. And you mentioned that I think included in that is going to be uh, what Terry's favorite workout was. Can you share mm -hmm. that with us? Oh. Terry's favorite workout is actually in the monitor, in the concept two monitor. It is the 14020 workout. Do you guys know that one? So it's nine rounds, a minute 40 on. 20 off and there is a two minute rest in the middle so that there's two minutes there's the 20 off then you get a two minute break that's like Heaven. thank god <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you continue on and finish it it's a really really great workout because if you want one that's just hit a button and and off you go and you get to work hard that's it and that and sometimes you just want that you're like i don't want to think about it i just want to work hard that's yeah. your workout right there 140 20. Yeah, that's um, that's a good one. And I like to do because I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to do two by ten by one hundred meters with fifteen seconds rest between, and you get three minutes rest between the two sets. And they, yeah, like we were just saying, that three minute wow. rest is heaven right there before you start <laughs> mm -hmm. again. So, all right. So we know what Terry's favorite workout is, and now we want to know what your favorite erg workouts are. For me, I'm, it's going to be on and off the machine. I'm going to be getting on, doing a, doing a, I'll do a pretty long warm up probably, depending on how we like to say the shorter the workout, the longer the warm up. So um, if you're going to be doing something pretty high intensity, you got to warm up really well. You got to have a full sweat going before you start. Um, I'm going to be doing um, some relatively short distance, probably two to three minutes that'll work out to something like two to three minutes and I'm gonna get off and I'm gonna do like wall balls and um, squats and kettlebell swings and things like that. One of my favorite things to do right now is to erg inside and then go row and then come back and erg some more sometimes. That's been one of my favorite things to do. And I was doing wow. it during 
I was doing it during March Madness because I really wanted to get on the water because we had this beautiful space of time where the weather was perfect for rowing here, but I really couldn't neglect this card that I made up that somehow I was <laughs> beholden to for because I was xing out things on a card I had to do it mm -hmm. so one of my favorite things to do is I do like 3,000 meters inside I'd go outside and you know go 10,000 meters or whatever come back and then do another two in here to finish my five on the erg and it that was just really kind of fun and oh, what I was no. finding that I thought was really great was some of the changes I've been making to my rowing on the erg where I've really been trying to focus on engaging at the catch properly, I could feel it a little bit differently in the boat. So, I mean, the ERG is just a really great teaching tool um, it, and it's good for water rowers to do it. Yeah, I would say just to jump in because everybody said what their favorite is. My favorite format is usually the pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. so any sort of pyramid or you know ladder up and down because I'm the type of rower that's, I'm a, I'm a counter. I like to count strokes. Um, mm -hmm. I like timed workouts, not distance workouts, which I think are way more equitable. I come from a history Agreed. with a, a large uh, master's women's team, and we did eight minute tests, not 2K tests. I think that's mm -hmm. much more democratic uh, so that mm -hmm. we're all starting and finishing at the same time. So I do mm -hmm. like timed things, but I, I'm, I'm an hour of power person. So I love uh, the hour of power. Once I realized that my body really kicks into gear at 25 minutes into a workout, no matter what the workout is, no matter I need what a lot I, of warm up. I agree. The, the lights the go on. I get the more I need to. Yeah. The lights go on for me at 25 minutes. One of the things that I love about the indoor rowing community and that Rachel and I talk a lot about in terms of what steady state finds important, which is this real life rower uh, kind of concept. And one thing that we had discussed about this particular episode was that what we see of the you can row community you can row two community and of the row, indoor rowing community is a lot of average joes a lot of people who like my mom you know would take this kind of class or mm -hmm. um somebody who's going from zero to a weight loss journey would come into this so i was wondering if we could hear about maybe an athlete or a person that you've worked with as a student, not as an instructor, who just really grasped onto it and was a really special story about, I know there are some, um, where people either discovered that they were an athlete for the first time, you know, they were born pre-Title IX. I know I've taught a lot of these types of folks in my Learn to Row. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that moment when they realized they can be competitive, they can take care of their bodies, all of these aspects are happening. It's just a great moment. And I think indoor rowing is a great space for that. Do you have anybody like that that you can throw out? Well, for one thing, that's a little bit of my story. Um, mm -hmm. I was not athletic. I, I wanted to be athletic when I was younger, but I'm really, I really wasn't. You know, I, I think I was born without any fast switch fibers in my body. So, you know, give me the endurance. That, that's why I could do like a 24 hour row and be successful with it. Cause I can do that kind of thing. I just can't, you know, I can't do a sub eight minute 2k to save my life. I'm sure I haven't tried in a long time, but I'm, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I have to say when you ask me that kind of a story and title, you know, pre title nine and stuff, I just, I just think about, um, our athlete Lou, who, I don't know if you ever met Lou, Lisa. Um, she is, the she's the one that we all want to be when we grow up she has rode with us forever and she 
when she met Terry, um, oh man, it's been, I don't know, like 30 years or more at this point, but when she met Terry, she, that was when she first got into fitness and she discovered rowing through Terry and, and, um, went on to develop a total passion for rowing and a total passion for fitness. And at now 87, 88, um, she, you know, yeah. I mean, she has all the records in her age group for all the concept two records in her age category. And she just, you know, she never thought that was anything she was ever going to be able to do. It never entered her head that she could compete at anything. You know, she's way pre title nine at that age. And, um, and this is somebody who just got in there and she's just stubborn and she kept at it and, you know, did all and discovered all these amazing things that she could do. And she asked me, this is about two years ago now. So very recently she asked, she said, can you take a picture of me with all my certificates? Cause she has, so concept two gives you a certificate when you get any kind of a record. This is another really brilliant thing they do. You mm-hmm. hit any kind of a goal and you get a free downloadable certificate. And if you get a record, you get, you know, a really nice one. So she has all of those certificates. She has them framed and she brought them all in and we lined them up. I'll give you the guys the picture because it's just, it's so awesome. We lined them all up and, you know, she got all um, like dressed up for it and, and looking amazing. And she took this beautiful picture, just beaming with her certificates. And I just thought, man, if that is not the perfect illustration of what is possible on this machine for regular people. I don't know what is. Well, I think it's just genius because of the accessibility and the variability. And then Concept 2's logbook, because they have ways to rank so many, like you can drill down pretty far and get yourself to a competitive space if if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking of. You know, I, I say it all the time that I I get, I have the honor of teaching masters learn to row and you see that, that flash go off in someone's head where they're like, you know, I was told when I was 15 that I was uh, uncoordinated or they got some message or there wasn't part of their family culture or they grew up on a farm in Iowa and there was no sport that really met what they needed to do. And they come into this out of just, you know, curiosity and Mm -hmm. I I probably should work out or I should get fit. Um, Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot on the first day of learn to row, you know, I want to try something new, you know, fitness wise, I need to get my act together, etc. And then you see this like, explosion go off when they are on the erg. And they're getting, you know, uh, they see progress. It's not like it's comparable progress, you know, across a global log book. One of the fun um, quotes that stuck with me this weekend was there's all this competition out there. And I kind of feel like sometimes like, is there even space for me or our little business or anything? And the quote from this weekend is we're not competing with each other. We're competing with the couch. Only 25% of the people in the U.S. or was it the world are actually meeting the bare minimum requirement of 150 minutes of exercise a week. Yep. 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 Uh, Well, I think what You Can Row 2 offers in their training to someone like me that's been rowing for a very long time, um, I have a lot of respect for teaching methods because I'm a teacher. 
So part of what I was really excited about was to learn about the how of teaching from people that have taught it for so long to lots of different kinds of people. So because they've taught rowing for so long to so many people, they have it down to a method that just makes so much sense. And they, they have, um, you know, the pedagogy that's there reminds me of good science teaching, which is, you know, the, oh, that's great my day job right <laughs> so <laughs> my actual yeah. job but um so i appreciate that i appreciate what good teaching looks like and i appreciate the expertise that goes into something like this that can only come from teaching lots of people how to use that machine well lisa i'm excited oh to you. see what happens with you now that you've got your certification you're already a really solid instructor um, you have your own, your own style, but I'm sure the next time I get on a Zoom or goes or Facebook live session with you, uh, you're, you're going to have some more, some new ideas and um, new teaching methods. So I can't wait to hear it. That'll be fun. I'm not yeah. technically certified yet. I did yeah, the class. You got to finish it up. Still. I got to do so my get, homework. Get it done fast. <laughs> well, you know, the, the reason that you took the class is because we offered uh, Changemaker scholarships. And this is a That's... program that, that Rachel and I started last year um, when uh, we wanted to make sure that coaching education was equitable and was accessible. And it's really important to us to provide access to these kinds of uh, trainings. Uh, we also did it with the U.S. Growing Convention last year. And we're, you know, always looking for more opportunities uh, for people to get their foot in the door uh, in an accessible way. And we can't wait to see uh, what happens out of that uh, program and out of what you're going to do with uh, this new training that you've gotten. I'm joyful, like people that love yeah. rowing um, is what I what came out of the training for me too, right? And that it's fun for me to see kind of like the, you know, in memory of the cool person that Terry was, what, what really lives on and you can row too is that pure joy of rowing, the joy of um, how fun it is to work hard, how fun it is to be fit, and how that kind of fun should be available to everybody. Before we sign off, it's very important. The last thing we always do with our episodes is we ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions. You ready? Ready. So first question, port or starboard? I'm a sculler. I'm all of the above too. Bow seat or stroke seat? Bow. Stroke. Good, we can row a double. That's right. Uh, salt water or fresh water? Salt. Fresh water. Head race or sprint race? Head race, 100%. Race. Super short. <laughs> okay, so I know that there is an element of coxing that happens in the indoor rowing space, whether that's a coach cheering you on or cueing. So what is your favorite coxing command to give or receive? Um, I had one that just popped into my mind and it is nobody beats you in the last 500 meters. Oh, that's good. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Only if you say it that way, then it's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a little growl, nobody beats you in the last 500 meters. <laughs> For rowing, unisuit or tank and trow? Tank and trow. Tank and trow. You gotta be able to go potty, man. I added this one specific for this episode on the monitor, on the ERG monitor, force mm -hmm. curve or data? Ooh, I'm loving the force curve lately though. 
I'm, I'm back into really being, um, you know, getting, putting my stroke under the microscope and I'm just loving seeing, you know, working on that haystack, man. I'm a data girl. I like the numbers. I have all kinds of mind games I play with those numbers and it keeps me busy for a very long time. <laughs> oh, totally. I have a whole blog post I wrote about, it's called 10 ways to kill 10K. 10, 10 mind games you can play with yourself to get through a 10K. That's great. I have to watch calories or splits when you're earning. Splits. Same. Not calories. Sometimes no. was. Uh, okay, last question. Uh, coffee before or after you row? Are you kidding? Before. Like right out of bed. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Yes. Actually, before, after. Only time I'm not drinking is during. I've been known to drink it when I'm on the erg. I'm not going to lie. That is another benefit of the erg. You can <laughs> row with one hand and, you know. That's right. All right, ladies. Well, it has been really wonderful talking with you. I'm really glad that we were able to bring you together for this interview. And um, I'm glad that I was able to meet you, Sarah, for the first time. So thanks for giving us a little bit of your, your afternoon, evening. Um, oh my and, gosh, it's so fun. Oh, good, good. We appreciate all the conversations you're bringing to the rowing world. It's very nice. Absolutely, absolutely. Have a great day. <laughs> thanks, everybody. It was so great. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you. into let it run that's one two let it run ah. <laughs> everybody's taking out you get to see how the sausage is made now yeah <laughs> That was a lot of slurping. <laughs> <laughs> it appears that your sound is working. <laughs>